What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about the top three best and worst spawn season baits, fishing costs going up with inflation, Bobby Lane's last-minute win at Redcrest, and uh, catch up on a bunch of other stuff. So, hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast. We are finally all back at our houses and uh, excited to be doing another episode. So hope you've all had a good week since we last talked. I've been busy. Nick's been busy. Rob's been busy. So let's just run around and see what is going on. Nick, since uh, you were out of state, man, what happened uh, your way last week, man? Uh, Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're uh... <clears throat> done with a big old giant spring break trip to Alabama visiting my brother-in-law and his family. Um, we get two weeks for spring break because my kids are on year-round school. So it uh, makes for a really short summer, but then it's cool this time of year because we can go and spend a lot more time other places. And so it's pretty cool. As you can see, I'm trying to do my best Rob impression with this beard that I've grown here. And it pales in comparison to Rob's beautiful facial hair, but I'm, I'm trying. They look similar. You know, I was trying to, thank you. I was trying to uh, not go overweight on our suitcase. So I didn't pack a razor. You know, those are real heavy and dense. So, <laughs> so that's, that's basically two weeks worth, dude. <laughs> two plus. Shouldn't have. There's no way. <laughs> that's like yeah, months. <laughs> that's months. <laughs> well, who's counting? I'm talking about, you know, March of 2021. So for the folks that are listening, which are just listening, which is all of you, it's about, what do you think, Nick? Like about a quarter inch of growth uh, yeah maybe on the longest strand and it's on certainly, the straggly ones you correct yeah that's like that long curling one i missed when i shaved you know six weeks ago you know when you don't raise or shave you always leave one gross long curly one that you missed but so yeah we're talking a quarter inch and it's very patchy you know i, I grow a lot of neck fuzz i do a nice job down here but none of that works out very well in the it looks part you got a great beard if it was in the right spot <laughs> yeah Exactly. It's too bad you can't like cut and paste, you know, yeah. it'd be sweet. But anyways, there was a lot more going on than just growing ugly facial hair and then not shaving it. Um, we, I have never been there in the springtime. So it was, I was really excited to do some fishing there. You know, I didn't, I don't really know spawning behaviors of spotted bass. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what little, maybe you guys know about that. Um, and then we, we definitely had kind of the classic uh, spring cold front issue we were there long enough that we had a couple of tornado warnings blow through had a couple of giant storms nice nasty it wasn't you know i don't know it's probably like the stupidity of being an out of town or it was kind of exciting and fun to me maybe because nothing really happened to us so it was just you know kind of like a novelty when you live in the desert and it rains a quarter of an inch a year we don't realize how fortunate we are in arizona though like like the news for two days has been talking about how it was going to rain. It rained for like an hour, you know. <laughs> Seriously, that's a great point. I mean, you talk about the the systems that go through in the in the central part of the country, southeast. You're talking about days worth, three oh. days. Well, and devastating know? stuff too. Stuff yeah. that wipes wipes things out. It's unfortunate, but yeah, we're pretty fortunate in Arizona. That's for good sure. point. You half the time and, you, it happens like and you sleep through it, and then you're like, man, we never even got a storm, you know. I know we're uh-huh. all we're knuckleheads because then we travel somewhere like that and like i'm too stupid to be afraid of it because i'm like oh this is exciting there's like a thunderstorm warning like this is a thing like i've never even heard of such confusion but anyway so we got there and the first good one hit us like four or five days into the trip so i had been able to fish a couple of times before that 
and got a false sense of confidence that I knew what was going on because we were catching fish pretty good in spite of, you know, three-year-olds falling off the boat into 58 degree water with all their clothes on and all the shenanigans that go along with trying to fish with your families. We were actually catching some fish. Did that, did, did someone fall in again? Or are you just talking about that one time? Oh no, of course they fell on this. Side. Kids, kids fell off the boat, um, you know, and then trying to like, if you're, if you're drowning like hot dogs for catfish, you can take a bunch of kids fishing and just be like, you're doing great. Good job. Like reel up the slack. But when you're actually needing to cast and retrieve and like, there's a lot of, I don't know what kind of aquatic vegetation is in Jordan, but there's a lot of it and it's dead and dormant right now. And so it's the snaggiest stuff ever. So like you teach a kid to cast and then they throw into the middle of that. And then, you know, so we weren't fishing efficiently by any stretch of the imagination, but it was just, it was awesome, man. And, and then it rained a bunch and the Creek that they live on swelled up and puked a bunch of chocolate milk, you know, 50 degree chocolate milk into the lake. And so then it kind of chilled everything out for a while. And by the end of it, though, it got pretty good again. And the highlight of the fishing for the trip definitely was my uh, brother-in-law. It's just fun, man, seeing new fishermen who are serious about it, putting in the time and casting and snagging and breaking off and retying and all the things that it finally culminated. Dude, he caught almost a three-pound spotted bass out of a boil. And we had found a spot nice. where we were chasing bait in the morning. And it was, you guys know how that can be. These are such pressured fish that like it has to be the right cast at the right moment. And to add difficulty to it, it was in some like offshore vegetation. So like your cast had to be accurate and he nailed it, dude. He caught a good one. And good for him. Like, was he fired up? Oh, super. And he's a man of few words. So like his smile was priceless because in any given day, he only says about 27 words worth of anything. So like people like that, the quiet, silent, strong type smile the biggest. And my uh, seven-year-old son was with us and he was all fired up. And so it was, it was cool. Fired up like your fire alarm right now, dude. Oh, is that good. what's going off? It's got to be, Nick. It's got to be, right? Uh, yeah. You have to change batteries on those every few years or something. <laughs> dude, I it's apologize. like, seems like it's more and more, more and more frequent. I <laughs> love well, it. Yeah. I wonder how to correct that for hopefully, and the three people listening can put up with that. But yeah, uh, I've. I've heard, yeah, just same thing. Just, just like you told me, the Nick, there's a mute button down in the corner there. <laughs> but this is the only interesting part of the podcast is me talking. So if I mute, mm. then it won't be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Chantel, like uh, my wife, uh, she loves uh, vlogs, like video vlogs on YouTube. And um, there was a vlogger that she watched for, I swear it was a year. And like it was the, these, these ladies, they do daily vlogs where they just like show their day in their life. Right. And Chantel would like have that thing on the background while she's making breakfast or doing the dishes or just doing whatever, hanging out. And uh, this lady had her fire alarm going off or, or you know, that, that thing beeping. I'm not that? kidding for a year, dude. And, and I would no. just hear it in the background and I would hear <laughs> beep. I'd be like, you watching that lady again? She's like, yep, <laughs> it killed me. How do you live like that for a year? Well, it's we'll like a Nick. lady vo vlogger. I you know what you're saying. I am very much way? a female vlogger. Yeah. yeah. And yep. I, my income tax bracket is so high that I can't reach that thing. I need Rob to come over and let me stand on his shoulders so I can reach that. I need to like, <laughs> nice. that's, that's not true, but it sounds good. <laughs> Dude, I need well, a boost to be able to do you even own a ladder? What is that? Yeah. Do you I, have a big uh, tall ladder though? 
there's a community one that floats around. Nice. So like nice. for the Christmas Eve basketball celebration, I borrowed that and hung a hoop on it and we shot on like a 14 foot hoop. But so the answer is no. Correct. Yeah. yeah my right. fire alarms decide to go off at like one in the morning usually. That's terrible. Start. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. You know, I think fire alarms are overrated. I don't think they provide much value and they just make annoying beeping sounds. So I'm thinking about just removing them all. What are they even for? <laughs> I, I haven't figured it out. You'd yeah. think the name would at least give you a hint, but it doesn't. Exactly. But uh, I sent you a video of the, uh, so my brother-in-law had all of his toys, you know, it's kind of winter still there. So the, all their toys were in dry dock. And so his pontoon boat is like the, it's the, the crown jewel of his fleet. And it is a pretty nice boat, but it it's like everything. It needs work from time to time. And he's a master mechanic. And so he had poured, he and his wife had poured a lot of love into this thing and got it in good looking shape. But it was sitting on the most god-awful, bastardized abortion of a trailer you've ever seen. And I sent you guys a video of that thing. Yeah. And it it was like it, it doesn't match the boat, does it? Like that trailer's no. way older. They're way older, and it's like nine feet too long and it's got like two by fours that are, it's just a, it's, an, it truly is like abortions a mean word. So I shouldn't say that, but it feels like that. And uh, it's booger welded with various, you know, size metal tubing that's mostly rotted out. And even though it was like a 10 minute drive to the boat ramp, we were both laughing. I was, it was like, dude, there's no way that we're going to be able to drag this thing to the boat ramp around the corner and away we went, but we did. And any time a car got behind us, all I could think of was one of those booger welds coming free and that thing just no longer being attached to the back of his truck and rolling behind. But we made it. So apparently they, they do a lot of praying and, you know, God is listening because we survived. But Good. Does he just leave it in the water after it's like, does he have a dock yeah. or something? Oh, okay, good. He does. Yeah. And it's, you know, where they live is on a creek and they're just getting like so much sediment that it's like every their their water access is just getting choked off so they're gonna have to do some dredging and fix that but yeah so it's cool they got a dock there and everything josh have you ever or rob i know you fished mitchell i think when you're there have yep. you guys ever been to jordan actually haven't no okay so i'm just gonna pick your brain on how to catch fish there because i left feeling like i suck even worse at fishing even though we had a good time we, we didn't catch them like we should have and I know for sure, like when you get there in the spring, dude, I think your number one bait and that whole chain is going to be a swim jig. It, you know, those guys that come from over there and I'm not, that's not the end all be all, but like if you uh, pick up a swim jig rod, you'll, you'll find some fish to catch around that lake and, and probably whack them on, on a lot of days. But uh, okay. because that bank grass, that brown grass you're talking about, that is just prime uh, swim jig stuff, but the water level's got to be right. And a lot of stuff does have to be right, but uh, what you know, uh, do you know what that vegetation's called? It might be. I, I mean, obviously, I've been to Jordan, but like it, um, it's probably shows up in all the other lakes around there. Yeah, it, it would be easy to look up. It might be primrose, and sometimes you know, I'm not like I, I don't know the names of all the grasses, but you know, I, I would probably look at it primrose. and just call it bank grass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, it's bank. When grass. you don't know, you just call it bank grass because it's not. You're not talking about uh milfoil or coontail or something that's actually way out it's it's stuff that's actually on the bank right yeah it, it, uh, at the farthest it grows out like 15 or 20 feet from the bank and like oh well then but but is it still on the surface uh it's dead right now 
but it no it has roots attached down is that what you're asking like with as it on the surface but yeah like like so it's um i guess at a normal water level is the top of it always exposed Uh out of the water is it yeah so there's just like a 15 foot line of it out off the bank but it's all roughly in the same depth correct yeah 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 yeah. that's bank grass BG. We need a, we is, need a listener to throw us a bone and let us know what that is. That's what we're. That's what I guess I'm sneaking yeah. up I'm on. I'm telling here you, though, that is a swim jig grass, dude. That's all you need to know. And that's so, what it's called, a swim jig. Grass. So we were trying yeah. to throw flukes at it because we have like that's little wet good. noodle spinning rods that I I haven't invested in tackle. You know, and I'm not trying to do the cocaine tubes to Sonora thing that I I only had to do that once in life to realize it's a terrible idea. So we're I couldn't I okay. So I, we caught a couple on flukes and you could bomb it back there. And I knew that if I stump, was dumb enough to stumble upon like a four or five pound largemouth, it would be game over instantly. But you guys caught a couple chunks though. It looked, looked like it was pretty fun, man. Ah, it was great. I love, man, the Southeast is awesome. Like I, I get it. Like I see like living on a lake and like the fisheries there. It's hats off to anyone that lives in that part of the country because it's badass. Nice. That's cool. How about, uh, well, that's awesome, dude. Glad it was fun. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it is nice to be home. That's a long time to be away from home as I know very well, you know, and it's one thing for me to do it myself, but the whole family to be away for two weeks like that, uh, you know, being a guest in someone's house, I'm sure you're stoked to be home. So yeah, uh, glad you're I'll back. end with this. So it was funny. And then Saturday, you know, I, I, I purchased a mobile home park in a small town in Missouri and I've clearly bitten off way more than I can show. Really? I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, one of my biggest fears with that was going to be that I'm going to have a phone call and I'm 2,000 miles away. And it's like, well, what do you do? How do you fix this? So we were at a children's museum in, in Birmingham on Saturday afternoon at like 5 p.m. And I got the call that uh, there was raw sewage backing up in one of the trailers. And uh, uh, I've got to fix that. And so, dude, a five o'clock Saturday afternoon plumber is hard enough to find in a huge city like Phoenix, let alone a town with a thousand people of it in it in rural Missouri. And so to your point, it it is good to be home where at least I have like a computer that functions and we got it figured out. Luckily, the resident there is really cool and it wasn't cool. and that's just landlord life. But it was funny how you can go from like, oh, everything's great to like, uh, what do you mean you and you only have one bathroom in your trailer? Like, how are we going to? figure this one out but we did i'm sure that's a story in itself dude rob and i are pretty speechless but I'm glad, we are i mean I'm what's the next story without whatever sewage, happened though yeah I, I attract it my life is just yeah. kind of shitty and so i just bring it in that's crazy <laughs> that is nuts well dang let's move it over to rob before it gets too uh gross and violent here what's up what's up with you dude? <laughs> uh. I've been busy guiding a bunch, uh, which is pretty much this time of year, every year, um, except for last. So it's kind of it's kind of nice to get in the groove of doing that again. Um, I do have a funny story. So this actually happened yesterday. I had a young man and his mom from uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. So obviously the nice. kid's a good fisherman. I think the I think it's in the water there or something. Had he right? heard of Kevin Vandale? What's that? Had he heard of Kevin Vandale? Yep, and Zona, so kind of <laughs> interesting. So. Wait, Jonathan Van Dam too, or just Kevin? No, Jonathan also. Okay, yeah, good the whole the whole crew. They, <laughs> I think, I think one of their family friends films for Zona, so they know. Oh wow! Yeah, so kind of interesting. But um, this kid, his name was uh, Cameron, 
phenomenal fisherman. Like I put a spinning rod in his hand and he's just like winging a little dipper out there like no other. How old Catching, is he? He's just, just shy of 12. Cool. So, but like he had, I'm sure his mom was freaking out how, like I kept commenting on stuff, but just little things that he did that you don't teach. You just, it's just natural. You know, he would swing a fish over the side, stuff his rod under his armpit, unhook the fish. Like, like you're, I mean, he just was like an adult fishing that's nice. fished for a long time. So it's like cool. me. So we're fishing along and I get a text from Sean Coffey, one of the other guides. He's like, I'm killing them over here. They're busting shad. It's going crazy. So, which is super cool. We have a super good bunch of guides we work with. And for him to do that, it was awesome. So we run over there and we're catching a mess of fish, but also there's shad everywhere, big balls of shad. So I had him throwing a little cast master spoon and he would rip it through the shad. Well, he'd hook the shad. So he reels it in the shad and he unhooks it, throws it back. And then he gets this idea. He's on the back of the boat. He's like, mom, you might want to film this. But before his mom got the camera out or like we just both turned around and looked, he's biting the head of the shad off <laughs> and spits it out. Like he, the funniest, <laughs> the funniest thing he said though was he goes, that doesn't taste like the ones at home. <laughs> oh my gosh dude this kid's crazy it was awesome so i told him i was going to tell that story on the podcast and hopefully he's listening he's awesome a, dude yeah it was a very enjoyable trip so <laughs> were you Sounds on roosevelt or uh we, we were on bartlett way to oh, blow it nice. up yep yeah way to blow it up nick good job okay <laughs> can i get no, some coordinates though? i mean there's so many fish like like i'm Sean called us over because there was no way they could even handle what was going on there. That's there cool. So much, such a big area. So, so in one mouth, he said, it's a great relationship. We have people hook us up on spot, but they don't hook me up on the spot. I see how it is. It's cool. You got to go fishing to get the hookup. Yay. It's not just a one-way street. It's got to go both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a cul-de-sac. So like you just <laughs> drive in and give me all the goods and then you turn around and drive back out the other way. It's all good. Like I'm in land development, baby. I'm a cul-de-sac for information. Dude, I, like I just that. receive and then you can leave. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad they were biting, dude. And I'm glad Cameron sounds like he was awesome, dude. So that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. fun, dude. Trips like that are what, I mean, obviously we have a lot of cool, cool clients we take fishing, but some of them are just special like that and a lot of fun. So yeah. Yeah. Props to him. That's yeah. great. You got a busy week of uh, trips coming up. Yeah, I'm off today. Just, we had a, obviously our second rainstorm of the year which doesn't happen very often but uh people see that's the craziest thing you see rain in the forecast and people call the cancel so it's just yeah. the way it is but yeah yeah i don't think that's you could good. be a guide if if you if you canceled on every forecast of rain in other parts of the country you probably couldn't even guide i mean you'd be canceling every trip if they did it like like that anywhere else but Seriously, I was driving by the golf course today and I, there was no one out there. And I was like, and I, and I thought about it. I was like, imagine being a golf course in uh, Massachusetts. Like, yeah. But those golfers are a lot tougher. Like they'll, they oh, yeah. will go through anything. But dude, if it's raining here, you're not going to see dudes playing golf. But that was probably one of three days a year that they actually don't, you know, other than the overseeding and stuff, and they're actually doing work on the course. Like it's got to be so rare for the weather be, to be so bad that people don't go play. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in March in Phoenix. This is like yeah. the high season. March is perfect. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, yep. well, that's cool. 
I, uh, I've been dealing with more weather myself, you know, before our last podcast we did, I was about to head over to Redcrest, head over to Oklahoma. And, um, it's just the Southeast, I think overall has been pretty warm. The Southwest has been pretty warm, but the central part of the country that Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, they've been hammered, man. They have been hammered with front after front after front. There had been a, a, a snowstorm that hit Tulsa the week be, the weekend before we got there. And then I get there the day before practice, and it's like 75 and sunny. The first day of practice, 75 and sunny. Second day of practice, another monster front blows through. And, um, you know, I'll run real quickly kind of through the tournament real quick and not spend too much time because we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. But, um, you know, that first day of practice, I hadn't figured out a ton. Um, I think I had maybe like six or seven bites, but maybe only three of them were good fish. And, I mean, that's normal. I mean, and anyone that watched the, the tournament, that's – I mean, six or seven good fish is a good day. But three fish is a bad day. Three good fish is a bad day. There's not a lot of room for error in that lake this time of year when it comes to catching those fish because like yeah i mean you get three three bites that's going to be eight to ten pounds you get seven or eight that's going to be you know 25 pounds that's a great day and um so that first day i I needed to find a lot more the water temps on the lower end were still pretty cold 46 47 and it actually kind of scared me off a little bit and in hindsight that was kind of a mistake because a lot of guys ended up still catching them down there, they were just eating the jerk bait a little bit better, which, I mean, I knew. But when I saw that, I started the first morning of practice. I saw that 46 on my graph. I'm like, ah. And, I, you know, I, I go up like like 10 miles, and I see like 52, 53. I'm like, this is better, you know, and, and caught a couple of fish. So instantly it kind of pulled me away from the lower end of the lake. The second day of practice – we had a lot of weather moving in before that hit though. I had a couple of really good hours. I had like, I think maybe like eight good bites in a two hour span where I was like, okay, this is definitely something that I can go off of and, uh, you know, fish the tournament on. Um, and I was cranking a Fritz side and the fish were, it was on the lower end of the lake. The fish were not set up pre-spawn yet. It was still so cold that they were chasing shad around. Like it was still a total Alabama rig type open water situation, looking at them on live scope, which of course we can't use a rig, but it would be a jerk bait, which is what we saw a lot of guys doing. And then as you got into the upper lake, the water was a little warmer and the fish had actually pulled up onto the secondary points, the transitions leading into spawning cuts, and they were more predictable. So I liked that better. And I was actually pretty excited about doing that in the first day of the tournament, but Around two o'clock on the second day of practice, this massive, massive, massive rain and lightning storm rolled in. And I mean, it was like, I'm not exaggerating, probably 300 miles in circumference, all heavy rain and lightning. And it just stayed there. And it just, it rained from Texas to Kansas to Oklahoma to Missouri for about 36 hours and um dude it the water had been so stable at grand all winter long i mean stable stable two feet below full pool all winter long and our first so after that last day of practice 
we have a day off to move into the hotel, do a bunch of other, you know, uh, just tournament related stuff in, in downtown and the water comes up a foot. And then the first day of the tournament, another foot, second day of the tournament, another foot. So we had some changing conditions. And, uh, you know, I go back the first day of the tournament, I go back to the zone of the lake where I had had all those bites that they, the last day of practice, totally blown out. Um, you know, it, uh, it was back, it was in this area kind of back behind a bridge and it was a big zone, you know, a couple miles, but anything behind the bridge was blown out. So I was bummed. I fished. I made one quick pass through for like an hour, kind of ran through some of the stuff and uh, didn't catch anything. And, um, you know, I, I was like, well, this is, this is probably going to be toast. There's no sense in even in fishing this little crankbait in this muddy water. So I picked up a big thumper spinner bait and a, a chatter bait and kind of ran through those areas trying to fish it like that. Didn't catch anything. So I run all over the lake and I'm just struggling. I'm in another Creek. I'm in another Creek. I'm in another Creek. And at the end of the day, I've got like an hour left. And I'm like, man, that whole zone of the lake was so good to me. I don't need to go back to where that water was dirty, but I need to get back in that part, in that section of the lake and start where the, where the water first clears up and just get as close. It was all new water to me, but at least it was close to where I had done some damage in practice. I run all the way back over there. Um, I pick up the Fritz side again, I catch a, or I lose a four pounder and then I'm bummed. I got one fish. I'm in like damn near last. And then I catch a four, four and a few more non-scorables and then catch a six and uh, a couple more non-scorables and the day's over, but I'm back to 25th place. And I'm a pound out of the cut, pound and a half out of the cut. And I couldn't wait to get out the next day because I had figured it out. I was like, okay you know, that was a hell of a 45 minutes. And what, what had you figured out just the location or was there something else? It, it was the same pattern. I mean, a lot of those, those kind of slowly tapering pea gravel points, secondary points outside of spawning areas, but it was just a couple miles from where I had found him in practice, you know, but it was the same pattern. Just, just, you know, pulled out two miles to where that water was clear, same bait, everything. And we had, so that day was cloudy, First, first day of the tournament, the, uh, it was like 37 to 39 all day with a uh, 20 mile an hour north wind. That, that had to a, be miserable. Yeah, northwest <laughs> wind. Dude, and in, what's funny is if that's a practice day, you're hating, you're like, yeah. you're miserable. Tournament day, you don't even notice it, do you? No, it's, it was, I thought about that. I was like, dude, I'd be, I'd be whining like a baby if I was out here just pre-fishing or fun fishing. Yeah. But in the tournament, you don't think about it. But I say that because the – the next day is going to be another cloudy, windy day. And I'm like, and the wind direction doesn't change. The, what's happening though is the water's coming up. But I thought, we got the wind. We got the clouds. They're still going to eat this crankbait tomorrow. And I can't wait to get out in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to make – I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to make the cut e so easily tomorrow that I'm going to be able to go pre-fish in the afternoon. That's how confident I was, you know, just from that hour of fishing the yep. other day, because it was the same way I had caught him in practice. And I was like, I just, I just had to make that little move. So I get out there and run through it all, not a bite. And uh, I'm so first hour, not a bite. And I'm thinking, golly, this lake, you know, it's known to change on a dime like that. And uh, there were some guys, you know, the guys caught him and damn near everyone caught him better than me. But you know, it's a lot of the guys that caught them had to make adjustments through the week. And that's what, 
James Elam, who's a local who's been fishing there his whole life, he told me, he's like, dude, this like changes so much. You know, if you think you got something figured out and you make a pass through it early in the morning and you don't catch anything, just forget it ever happened and go find something new, you know? So wow. I did, you know, I did, I went looking for new stuff and um, I think I did, I didn't fish with a lot of, con after that happened, after, you know, I made a pass through there and didn't catch anything, I really didn't fish with a, a lot of confidence all day. And I really got in my own way. I, I fished a little too fast. When I'd get into an area, I didn't have the confidence that I was going to catch fish. So I had trouble slowing down. If there was a good piece of cover in the water, I'd make one cast to it instead of four, you know, like when you're in the zone and you're feeling confident, you do all those little things, right. You know, you're casting a little bit better. You're fishing a little bit slower. You know, you're going to get a bite. So you, you make sure you get a bite when you have that good piece of cover. And I was just right. like, I was the opposite of that day. So it was a pretty, Poor, it was a pretty pathetic day of fishing on my end, just as far as um, didn't fish with a lot of confidence, fished way too fast. And then I, there were a lot of areas where I'd kind of glazed through and guys ended up going in and catching fish and, and making the cut that day. So um, just a real, uh, you know, overall disappointing tournament for me, a big missed opportunity. It didn't count for points, not the end of the world there, but those championships just don't come around every day. And it was a really big deal. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you go and do everything the best, I fished as hard as I could and I can live with that, but I didn't fish to the best of my abilities. And that's what bothers me. So, uh, hopefully lesson learned and i told my dad you know he's like yeah i hope you learned lesson i'm like yeah you're right it's easier said than done when you're in the moment but you know hopefully that doesn't happen again anytime soon again but yeah nick you're gonna ask a question man yeah i was just gonna say so obviously that's like the biggest tournament of the year and it's something that every season you're working towards qualifying for when you're actually in the moment fishing that is there an element of that in the back of your head too, knowing that like, here you are in this moment, does that add pressure to it? Or are you just in the, you know, in the zone of fishing, this is a tournament and here I go, like, I'm just going to do me. Probably subliminally, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's one of those things that any tournament has pressure, but subliminally there's definitely extra pressure on that. You know what I mean? It's because there's so much leading up to it and there's so many more people watching and talking about it and, um, you know, but hey, that's my job as a professional fisherman to be able to deal with that and still go catch fish yeah. and not let it bother you. That's what you're supposed to do. So, um, I, I, you know, if you would have asked me at the time, I would say that would have said no. I, it was just a day of fishing and I didn't catch them. But I do think, uh, you know, I just I, I let all this stuff get to me a little bit, which next week it, it it hopefully will not. It normally I don't feel like that normally happens, but it definitely seem to sneak in there this week so and not uh, saying that like yep oh man you had a bad tournament and it was the worst term to have a bad tournament that wasn't necessarily where i was going with that more just like you know that's the the big show and so oh, good yeah. bad or ugly like it's still just awesome that you're there participating in it like that's well and it is fun just totally to be there, badass right? but, yeah it, my, it, it, go ahead, my bro. take on it is i mean i've never been in that situation but i wouldn't look at it as the most important tournament because it's not a points event um, it's more of a, I mean, obviously you want to do well in it, but I would think you'd have more pressure in a, let's say the last term of the year and you're fighting to get into the red crest. Yeah. Do you agree if with you, that? Or I will say, if you ask me which tournament would you rather bomb a regular season or red crest, I would say red crest because yeah, yeah it doesn't screw you for the whole year, dude. Okay. You know, like I'm, I'm still fine, uh, for points, which is good. Uh, but it's just a big opportunity. And, and as it is. a, yep. 
you can get so much like you look at Bobby Lane and so happy for him. He won the tournament, but the amount of play that he's getting off of this, you know, the satisfaction of winning the money from winning the amount of media attention and everything like that, that you can get from winning a tournament like this compared to a normal tournament is tenfold. So, uh, you know, it, it's a big deal in that way, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, if you're going to finish 11th or 40th in this type of tournament, it doesn't really matter what, you know, where you finished in, in that case, because uh, it's really not that different, but um, anyways, you it, can go ahead. Yeah. Nate. I know Rob, and then I'll, I'm going to change gears. So, I mean, at, at the end of your career, I mean, you want to be the guy that qualifies for all the championships. Granted, people remember the guys that do that consistently, but they also remember the guys that win. Like Josh oh, said, yeah. if you finish 11th, yeah. I mean, would he have rather finished Even 11th third or fourth? <laughs> right, right. But consistency overall is over an entire season is probably more important in the long run. I mean, right. look at Rick Klon. How many classics did he qualify for in a row? Like 28 or something silly something like that? Something crazy like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So – it's all good. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. So I, uh, I was having just a barn burner of a day when all the drama went down and I was able to check my phone with like two hours to go in the third period. And I was like, Oh damn, it's going to go down. Cause that, it was like five guys that were separated by like a pound. And then I haven't had a chance to read or anything. So walk me through how it all ended as quickly as yeah. you want. But I don't even – and I didn't want to look because I wanted to hear it from you guys. But there was fireworks at the end, right? Well, dude, what's cool – and, Nick, you'll have to watch it and all the listeners. Uh, on You can go back and watch the live stream of any day of any MLF okay. tournament on their website. But on their Instagram page, they posted a – I don't know if you – it's not a reel, but whatever uh, – IGTV or whatever it's in their main feed but you can watch like the last 15 minutes as it happened okay and uh, that's really I mean dude it was crazy because it was close all day and it was probably realistically I was sitting here I wanted to make it a topic like what was the closest craziest finish to a tournament you've ever seen but I think this is it you know this was honestly with everything that it was that everyone was fishing for to be so close with two hours to go like nick said there were legitimately six guys that had a, a really good chance that were a fish or two from being in the lead all absolute hammers and um you know it it, it came all the way down to the last minute so with like about 12 minutes to go jacob wheeler is in the lead connell's in second Bobby Lane's in third and Luke Clausen's in fourth. And it stays about like that. And then we're like two or three minutes to go. Bobby Lane, who is a one pound and a couple ounces back, hooks one on a jig and he gets it in the boat and it it's a 115. And he he and at this point, I'm in the expo in the expo center and they've got a big screen with it playing live and there's tons of people gathered around watching and we're all just like, no, Oh, you know, not that we're rooting against Wheeler, but yeah. everyone loves Bobby. And it was just, it was just crazy. Right. So, um, the net, so you're allowed a couple of reways. So he takes off the scale, puts on the scale again, one fifteen, and he's going, Oh, you're kidding me. Cause this happened to him at Tra Lake Travis last year too. The same exact thing to Wheeler also. And um, he ended it ended up not going. So, dude, on the last freeway, two pounds or less, right? Yeah, exactly. So, on the last freeway, two pounds zero ounces, and everyone goes, ah, 
and, and Bobby's like, oh, yeah. So he pulls off the scale as fast as he can, of course. You know, it hits two pounds. And, the, and <laughs> there, there was a little controversy there on that, but that's the rule. And the boat official can reweigh it as many times. as It's up to his discretion. The rule says two reweighs after the one. Um, but if the boat official thinks that it's not right or if, if it didn't, if the scale didn't zero out or whatever, it is ultimately up to their discretion, just like any ref in any sport. It's on their discretion. Right. And, makes and sense. the way the, the scale works is it, it weighs in pounds and ounces, but it also for the ounce, it's got a, de- it's, it reads in decimals or in tenths. So not in decimals, but in fractions of tenths. So when you weigh that fish, it might've said one pound, 15 ounces and nine tenths. So, I mean, like if it's one tenth, you know, that that scale is probably not going to flip, but Bobby's looking over the scale and it might be saying, I don't know if it was, but it might be saying one pound, 15 ounces and nine tenths, like literally like right there. You got to reweigh then at that point. Yeah, dude. Yeah. At that point, your odds of catching another one are so much lower than getting that fish to to go right yeah it's, wow. no different. it's no different than if you catch a, a squeaker for a, a live well tournament and you got to measure it 10 times to make that tail hit 15 inches uh-huh. right like it if it does once it does once um but anyways it goes dude and now he <laughs> is in the lead and while this is happening luke clausen's really won it and luke clausen is three pounds 12 ounces behind wheeler this is before Bobby caught his fish. So Luke thinks oh. he needs a 312 to take the lead. Take the lead. And probably win. So he catches one at, with two minutes to go. And it's a 4-2. So he's oh. like – and you can see him when he puts the fish on the scale. His hands are shaking like this, dude. And, and, he, and it weighs 4-2. And oh. now he's in the lead in his mind. But he doesn't know that Bobby caught that fish. So all of oh. a sudden Wheeler's in third. <laughs> And uh, the boat, I I don't think they showed Clausen when the boat official read that Bobby had caught that too. But literally in the last two minutes, there was two flip-flops like that. And uh, it came down to the end. And uh, yeah, it went uh, Lane, um, Clausen, Wheeler, Connell. Just an awesome finish. And Bobby's one of the best dudes. I'm sure I've told some good Bobby stories on this podcast before, but he is so funny. Such a good family guy. Uh, very genuine. Um, everyone, everyone loves Bobby, and uh, I was super stoked to see him uh, win because he's been so close so many times, you know. And I think everyone knows that Bobby has been one of the best fishermen on the face of the earth, but he hadn't won a national tournament since two thousand nine. So that just kind of and it's uh, surprising, isn't it? Shows wow. how, he's yeah. been so good, so consistent. A lot of seconds, always making the you know, always finishing high in points, but. It is crazy. It had been that long. So, dude, you could tell he had a gorilla lifted off his back. Yeah. And he won the tournament. The biggest gorilla, right? He's, he won the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a really enjoyable guy to watch fish. Like some of those guys, I mean, they're all different, right? But he's just – it's fun to watch him fish. Very methodical, very, um, very in control, you know. It's a good way to put it, yeah. That dude, like – He's he must have hands of steel. Like he grabs a fish like no one else. It's unbelievable. I don't understand how he does it. Isn't it crazy? He catches him out of midair. They touch his hand and they just yep. lay there yep. for him. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. That, call in a favor. Get him on the podcast. Oh, I'm sure he will, dude. I got that whole Lane family is so much fun. Chris, Bobby, and all their you know their 
they've got other brothers, their kids, they are, uh, you know, if, if, if you could pick people to, to, to um, embody a state, it's them in Florida, right? Like they are just good old, they're good old boys, yeah. give you the shirt off their back. They yeah. love to have a good time. And um, they've got fishing in their blood for sure. Every one of them. And uh, it's, it's really, it's just awesome. But Bobby, he, I can't say enough good things about him. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. I'm sure a lot of people saw it, but if you didn't make sure you just go watch that 15 minutes back. It was, it was crazy, man. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, as fun as it can be from the expo anyways. For me. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you were catching him out of the hog tank. So don't complain to us. Yeah. You saw the picture of that jealous kid. We Dude, know. I uh, yeah, I, I rolled when when I was giving some seminars. That was funny. I gave seminars, and the and the fish in the hog tank were very very aggressive. So that made me feel a little bit better about myself. But um, moving on from Redcrest, if you guys don't have anything else on that, um, it's we're finally after fishing four pre spawn tournaments for me, wintertime pre spawn tournaments, and you know we're we're finally around a lot of the country getting ready to move into the spawn, and in my seminars, I was talking a lot about things to look for to find fish in the spawn. But what I love about the spawn is you can just really simplify your approach so much. You can take a break from looking at forward facing sonar. You can take a break from all the hard baits with treble hooks and kind of go old school fishing, get up, get up shallow, grab a few soft plastic baits and uh, just fish instinctively. And uh, I love that. Um, you know, earlier in the wintertime, we talked about three baits to keep out of your boat or keep off your front deck in the wintertime. Well, we're back, and I think now's a great time to do that. We're going to go three baits not to throw this time of year and then three baits to throw this time of year. Of course, all these baits that we say not to throw, I'm sure you could take that out and catch a bass. But if you want the odds in your favor, and we're talking in very general terms, these are three baits that I would stay away from and three baits that I would go, go for. Now, I've got my own list here. I didn't give, give you guys much of a, a warning, but starting on the baits not to throw, Rob, can you, uh, can you throw out a bait that you would not be throwing in April? A deep diving crankbait. Beautiful. That was my <laughs> first one, dude. Nice. Yeah, I was uh, thinking underspin. <laughs> that's a good one too, Nick. Yep. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's, there's two good ones. I, I'm sure we've all caught a bass on a, on a deep diving crepe in April, but if you want the odds in your favor, I would keep that one off. The underspin's good. Uh, another one I had was a uh, walking topwater bait. Like the same thing, okay. they'll eat it, and that's going to be, hey, soon. when those fish, I mean, I'm talking really soon really soon and that's more of a post-spawn bait than an actual spawning bait as soon as those fish pull off the bed you better have your walking topwater bait on but when yeah. they're on the bed the early part of the spawn not quite yet if you're throwing a topwater i would be throwing either a buzz bait or a frog more in the junk more in the stuff but don't be taking that walking topwater bait and throwing it out over a deep point quite yet it's not quite time not that, I mean, according to Rob, when they were blowing up on bait the other day, uh, they, you know, but, but they're in a pretty unique situation. You're not going to see, you're not going to see that. Um, yeah. Arizona's in an odd, Arizona's in an odd spot for this time of year. Usually, um, I think the shad have come up and not ma majority of the bass haven't even spawned yet, which is crazy. We'll, we'll usually fish the entire month of March before the shad come up. And you'll fish spawning fish for all of March before you even see shad being a factor. So this year's just a little, little different. 
That's cool. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then uh, the last one I've got, you know, a, a, you can jig fish all year round, but there are a million different styles of jigs for a lot of different reasons. And the jig that you don't want to take in the boat in April is your football jig. Leave that one at home. Yep. Um, typically that's more for a little bit deeper water and, uh, you know, fishing, fishing those deeper rocks and stuff like that. If, if you're putting a jig in your boat, um, it's probably time to put your swim jig in the boat. We talked about it earlier. Um, you know, a flipping jig will work all throughout the winter and spring. That's kind of a staple, but, um, as that water warms up and gets up into the high fifties, low sixties and beyond that swim jig starts to become a big player. And uh, me personally, I'm getting ready to go to heavy hitters at Palestine next week. And I'm going to be throwing a swim jig a lot. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So as we're rolling into the baits to throw, that's the first one. Um, you guys want to throw out your favorite uh, springtime baits for the spawn? Give me another one. Uh, general Cinco type bait. Yep, that was my first one on the list also. Heck yeah. You just can't go wrong. I mean, once that, once those fish get up on the bed for the next month or two, that is going to be one of the top couple baits, and you need one on your deck. If you're in heavy cover, you know, weightless Texas rigged on heavier line, and if you're in any type of open water or clear water or wacky rig, that's just yeah. impossible to beat. I've got a little tip with it. If you're, if you're up sight fishing, looking for sight fish, I'll take a Cinco and I will literally cast it in front of the boat and not pay any attention to it. As I'm looking, I'll reel it. You know, you're moving down the bank at a rapid pace, right? I might even throw it on the other side of the cove and let it sink, but just completely ignore it. And all of a sudden you'll have a fish just, you know, ripping the rod out of your hand. And those, I consider those like bonus fish. And a lot of times they're big ones too, because you're fishing a little further out, you know? Yep. Where the females kind of holding off sitting out there. Yep. I had a bite on Jordan. We fished the dam and uh, a lot. And there was this one bank and it was just so good. And I, I had a, we had a bad day. Everything was just, we weren't fishing clean and every bite we got, we lost. And I had a great, one of those fantastic Senko bites where like it's off the bank 15 feet and you reel down on it and it's heavy. And it just started swimming out. And I was like, it's about damn time. Like we need to catch a big fish. And I had it hooked up for about, two minutes and lost it and i never saw it oh I wow to oh, cry. Minutes, dude. dude i wanted to just cry wow. like hey, i had him hooked up did the spotted bass in that lake jump a little bit when you're fighting say, them dude they bulldog they yeah. pull so hard that's what's so crazy yes did you think you had a three and a half or four and that's why i was telling myself so i could sleep that night was that it was probably just a two pound spot but they pull like they're a four and a half pound, you know, largemouth horse. I mean, they That's pull, cool, they, they, I mean, they pull drag, but I've lost the biggest fish I've ever hooked was on a Senko and Josh was with me that day. And it was an absolute Leviathan. It was unbelievable. And, dude, the Senko, <laughs> the Senko hooks the biggest damn fish in the lake. It's such a badass bait, especially this time of year. Love it. Or yep. the general, right? Just wacky rig. I guess what I'm trying to say with Senko is a yeah. wacky rig. See- I love how you guys are even starting. I'm so, I'm always, I'm sure to, and and that's what I I truly do use. I do use the general, but I love how you guys even are now like throwing it out there, giving the Berkeley plugs just because I've done it so much. Like you guys have to include the Berkeley, which is good. I appreciate it. And because of you, you know, we care about your bottom line and this little segment's brought to you by all of Josh's sponsors. And this whole podcast (laughs) is brought to you by Josh's, you know, (laughs) dictatorship. But it is a damn good little bait. I bought them. I bought them at my new favorite tackle store in in Clanton, Alabama, and that's pretty good. I can. Did see you get why the max scent? I did. Yeah, that's what you need. 
yeah, it was good. And it even was pretty, I didn't O-ring it. And so, you know, I was just going through the plastic thinking I was going to burn through them and it wasn't bad. Like I, I was able to catch a couple of fish on each one of them before they went to crap. So they never tear. What happens with a max scent is like when it's time to put a new one on is when it wallows out a hole. Like it, what's interesting about them is like they, they rarely tear like traditional plastic. You just sometimes may have to rehook them because it's, it's wallowed that hole out. But um, yeah, I just, I, I become, when it first came out that max scent, turn into a max scent plug but literally when it first came out it took it happened instantly for me with the smallies but on the largemouth side of things it took me a couple years to really believe see it myself right because it does look a lot different in the water but i'm a hundred percent you know like if if that shape like a general like a trigger craw anything if that shape comes in standard plastic or max scent it's max scent every time i uh i'm i'm totally totally in love with it as someone who appreciates a good marketing scheme all you got to do is throw big numbers at me and i'm a winner dude it says like 237 times longer than average and it's like if i could apply that to all aspects of my, if i could make everything 237 times longer i'm all game Let's why would you do it yes yeah i love it dude well that's cool um and i think that oh and the last one was just an old school texas rig we were talking about uh-huh. it uh, a lot you know here this past week at grand but man if you've got so that so that that weightless stick worm is phenomenal in clear water, it works in stained water. But once you get into pretty stained and dirty water, it's not so much a sight thing anymore. In that case, I really think just an old school Texas rigged creature bait is what's going to get you more and bigger bites than almost anything else this time of year. Getting into those areas where you think those fish are spawning, hard bottom, protected areas, even if you can't see them. Just think to yourself, okay, where's that water warm? Where is their protection from current? And um, what has a hard bottom? And if you can find an area that's got all those three things, if you go saying it with a Texas rig creature bait, you will catch fish uh, 100% guaranteed. It's a time of year when the old school guy with the the butt seat on the front of his boat leaning against it. 1991 Astro. Yep. But just, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Just still wearing dockers, you know, got some. Nice. Right. He's oh, catching yeah, them. That's good. He's just casting a Texas rig and crushing them. And it's TikTok. Yep. Hey, and his yep. TikTok feed is just going bananas. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned you guys were talking about a Texas rig. Like you guys can talk more throughout the house now, right? Yeah, yeah, we can share information with each other. We just can't get it from anyone outside the tournament. Yep. Okay, so just some of those conversations have got to be epic. If you could just, if you could just tap into it, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. You know, it'd be interesting to hear what all those guys at that level talk about. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, and and you fish there, dude, so you know. But like, it is. Uh, sometimes it's like a language that only certain, only a few people can speak. So it's like, uh, it's, it's fun to be able to, to have those conversations, but you know, um, it's, it's helpful to talk to your buddies, man. It's helpful to talk to your buddies and you can learn so much and everyone sees things so differently, right? Like it's, it's, you know, Hey, we'll talk during practice sometimes. And this is, it's hilarious because you got your couple buddies that you talk to on the water. And typically for me, it's 11, 12 o'clock. I go out there, do my own thing all morning and I'll sit down and eat, eat a sandwich for lunch and call up my couple buddies that are on the water that, that you can confide in. Right. Yep. You might talk to one and they say, dude, 
I can't get them to eat reaction. This high pressure, you've got to be fishing slow. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's got to be on the bottom. And then you'll call your other buddy and he's like, dude, I can only get him to react to reaction base. You can't catch him on the bottom fishing slow. <laughs> and it's like, well, shit, I don't know, man. I don't yep. know. What's, <laughs> you know, but thoroughly uh, confused. But yeah. Yeah. Usually it's, it's more of a, it's much more of a help than it is. is instance, it, but isn't it nice? So sometimes you can get just a little tip and you, and depending on who you're talking to with however much trust you have in there, how you can gain confidence from someone yeah. just telling you. Sometimes like, it's all just, it's just one little nugget that can. Right. And you might, you might be on the fish to do really well in the tournament, but they might throw you a little bone that they're doing that helps or vice versa that helps you catch them better, you know, yep. or yep. is just a backup deal. You go through your area and catch them on one technique. And then all of a sudden, Oh, you know, James said, try this, let's try. Oh, it worked. And it's, it's amazing how, how much that helps it, it had to be so annoying not to be able yep. to talk within your house before it was terrible dude it had to it, be horrible it yeah. really was yeah it was yeah. the worst yeah um yeah my wife's about ready to uh go to the grocery store so i got the garage for 10 more minutes guys um <laughs> and then i get to watch the kids but hey um one other thing too that i really want to mention and what you're talking about there too is like when you're if you're having a tough day on the water and or a lot of times a tough practice, especially if you got multi days. I saw this. Um, I saw this in my practice this week. Sometimes going back, if if you fish, say you start in a section of the lake, you start in a creek that's a good creek, and you go through and you don't have any success, then you fish around the lake for the rest of the day, and you learn a couple things. You learn, okay, well, actually, the fish aren't set up like I thought they were. They're actually pushed a little bit further back in or they're behind these docks or whatever it is. Um, there's no shame in going back to that area that you fished in the morning and, and, and fishing it again and fishing it a little bit differently. It's happened to me so many times, and it didn't pay off in the actual tournament this week. But in practice, you know, that zone of the lake where I told you guys I had caught all, all those fish, I had actually fished it the first day of, the, of practice, the day before and fished it differently, blew through it and didn't get a bite. Um, so like, like to your point of you're saying, like when you talk to your buddy and they give you that little clue, don't, if you fish something and don't catch anything, do not rule it out if it's a good area for sure. And that goes whether you're pre-fishing for a tournament or just fishing in general, like just because you didn't catch something doesn't mean that you can't like take those clues that you learned through the day and then maybe go reapply them in that area you started there for a reason it's a good that's what i was just gonna say your research puts you there yeah instinct right? research yeah exactly yep yeah. yep yeah. yeah. so um yeah we enough of the uh the hardcore fishing uh chat i do want to uh one thing I, I wanted to see if you guys had actually watched on netflix uh gerald got me hooked on this uh bad sports have you guys seen this on netflix no bad sports it's either bad sports or bad sport. I can't okay. remember, but I'm sure it'd be easy to find. I've seen two of them so far. It's a documentary series. It is awesome. It is a, a sports documentary series, very well done, about like, like sporting gone bad. Like a lot of it is about like people gambling and throwing games. Like the first one I watched was about the ASU basketball team in the, in the early nineties. Did you guys hear about this or know about no. this? Oh, it sounds vaguely familiar. It was like the biggest scandal in college sports history. Arizona ASU, State? Yes, dude. ASU really? apparently had like 
maybe the maybe the best team in the country at that point, and they had a couple players that were unbelievable, and some of the dudes that were into sports betting, like really high end sports betting and gambling they got to know one of the players who was the superstar, like the top player in the country. And they realized this, this dude, they could get him. Like they could get him to do stuff for them. You know, he was money hungry and they were paying him 20 grand a game to fix the game. And it was, uh, they weren't losing, but they, they were so good. They would win by a lot of times 30 plus points. Right. So they just needed to get them to win by like less than 10. <laughs> And this guy was so good. He was a point guard. He was in control. And he got one of the other guys on the team. Was his name Eddie House? I don't think so. Nope. Okay. Um, but it, you guys will have to – you'll have to watch it, you guys, and then the listeners. It was awesome. And there's another one where uh, a dude – the other one I watched was the guy was into uh, – he was into race car driving. And his race car driving habit was so expensive that he started – running drugs to pay for his <laughs> race car addiction. And he actually got really good dude. And he started racing in like the national grand prix and actually won some, like he was a world famous race car driver, but he was also the biggest marijuana uh, smuggler in the entire country in the early nineties, dude. He was, uh, you know, and he was taking all this, he would live down in Miami, of course. <laughs> and uh, he was, setting up shipments of millions of pounds of marijuana in these giant ships. And uh, what's crazy, he was also living a life as a professional race car driver at the same time. And, and, and that's how he was financing. Like he, everyone was like, man, how does he doing this without these big team deals and everything? And that was, that was the deal. But they, they, they go through the whole thing. They show how he got busted and uh, dude, it's so interesting. It's so well done. So bad sports on Netflix. I can't wait oh, to watch Check the other ones. I think there's like six or eight of them. But um, anything else you guys have? I got, uh, I got throw one in random thing to end on. Yep. And uh, just popped in my head. And uh, if something comes to your head, say it. And then otherwise, the next time we record, we'll we'll do it. And then any listeners who have a funny story like this, let us know. But what is the weirdest or most unexpected thing that you've hooked in the lake? And I'll tell you, when I was fishing with my brother-in-law the last day, he got snagged. He's throwing a swim bait, and he got snagged. But then the snags started coming to the boat. Sorry for the smoke detector again. And started coming to the boat. It's like, oh, okay, you pulled the stick free. It's going to be that. I have a picture of it, and I'll send it to you guys. And if anyone cares, you can put it on Instagram. He caught the front half of a filleted 10-pound channel catfish. So it had been filleted and thrown back in the lake and half of it was gone. And he hooked the swim bait through the middle of like the gut pouch. And he got to take that off his hook and it smelled as bad as you Ugh. can imagine. But how did I like that fish got That's caught nice. twice and it's dead and he caught it again. It was like exceptional. What are the odds of that? That's, That's some angling skill there. Yeah, bro. And then I caught a dirty diaper with Josh one time on Louisville a hundred years ago. And that was pretty good too. Hooked that was up there. That was up there, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was up there. And that's one that it would be a fun episode to go. Cause I bet we've all got a handful of random weird things that we have, but dude, yeah, that one is, is way, way, way up there. That's the catch. It's just hilarious. It's very ironic to catch. Like that's what you would catch. You never catch something crazy on a good day of fishing. Like, I always laugh, dude, about, like, catching drum. 
I'll never like because totally. Grand is full of drum, dude. I will never catch a drum on a good day. But when I'm having when I'm struggling and it's been three hours since I had a bite and I need a bite and I'll get a bite, it's a drum. It's a good one. Yeah. It's they only show up when you least need them. So uh it's that's pretty funny. And I had caught during the classic, I talked about it before, but I had caught a, a pair of whitey tidies. Um <laughs> <laughs> during the classic a few years ago dude with the camera on me and all I'll, I'll i don't remember that cut. story yeah. did they have brown stripe <laughs> they had been in there they were huge i'll say that <laughs> dude. they were massive <laughs> and i'm sure they had brown stripe at one point that's probably why they were in the middle of this cove but uh, oh man that'd so be a good. good episode overall but yeah I mean, there's got to be some listeners with some good ones for sure i mean we've all all uh had a line in the water long enough to hook something totally random I just, we couldn't stop laughing. It was so funny. It was like, normally I hook him up and I help him out. Take it. It was like, you're figuring out how to get that shit off the edge of your oh, line. Yeah. I'm not touching that. It was just, it was like, it was pretty fresh. So it, the decomposition had started, but it was still, you knew what it was. Wow. That's a good one. Anything off the top of your head, Rob, or no? No, I can't think of anything really. Rob just puts clients on fish. He has no time Only for anything. Big bass. Yep. That's yeah. right. Right on. Well, um, yep. Yeah, thanks again uh, uh, to you guys. As always, good good chatting. But uh, most importantly, thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Um, you know, uh, things are going to be slowing down for us soon, so we're trying our best to stay uh, somewhat on it. But things will be slowing down soon. We'll be a lot more regular. But hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, yep, yeah, make sure to send in your questions. Send write us in with some uh, some silly things you've caught, and uh, we'll be back next week to uh, talk about it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.